It's good to be back with you. Um, had a wonderful time at Leeds. Got to see a part of South Africa I don't know well. Must say the coast between PE and East London is stunning. That's really nice. Spent a large part of a holiday, river after river, beach after beach. It is beautiful. So anyway, had a great time, but good to be back. Um, let's get right to it. Um, we're in the midst of sort of, I think. Looking at this thing of restoring the world. If you can't see me, you can look through me or look around me. Um, <laughs> could be a challenge. But um, we're in the midst of looking at restoring the world. I think obviously when you go away, you have more time to think, you process things easier, you don't have so much list of to-dos. And so while I was away, I did a lot of thinking kind of around this, this topic. Plus I had some interesting exchanges both with um, other Christian families and other Christian communities, and then with a cousin of mine who's far from Christian. But he's doing some very interesting work in the area of, uh, he's a qualified game ranger and working in Eastern Cape with animals and stuff, and then also has a bit of a spiritual healing kind of thing going on the side there. So my cousin and I had an interesting exchange during the holidays, one of those awkward conversations that we didn't want to be part of, but hey, um, occasionally you have to have them, and he brought it up, not me. Um, and so it got, got me thinking a lot about, you know, just this whole thing of restoring the world and what God's doing in the world in these times and how He uses us. And so what I think um, God's given me is quite a lot. So I'm going to try to be as, 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 as dense as possible, but not overly long. First of all, there's this wonderful scripture that most of us know so well. Why are you laughing? Oops. Lee's worried, because I think she's seen this PowerPoint. Anyway, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the whole world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And it's really around this verse, and then listening to a pastor from the States called Mark Driscoll, you go through phases. I think as a pastor, you, you look for people to follow. Obviously, you have relationships with people, but then like, there's the joy of the internet these days, and you can get connected with people all over the world. And some of you know that I love Bill Johnson. He runs a church in, um, in California. And the profile of the people there is very similar to the city that we're, we're in. And they're doing amazing things with young people. And then got into another guy called Mark Driscoll, also running an amazing church in Seattle, Washington, which is the far northwest of the States, one of the most unchurched um, or unchristian cities in America. And just doing an ama amazing, amazing work with all those kind of grunge rockers. Quite a few of you remind, remind me of them. Anyway, um, like, you know, out of Seattle come, come like those indie rock bands, the Green Days of the World, and all of those kind of indie rock wave of the last 10 years really comes out of Seattle as kind of the hotbed. And he's doing amazing work doing that thing, that community. Anyway, it's a combination of this portion of scripture and kind of what he, I heard him speak that's led me to this place. And if you look at that first line of scripture right there, related to restoring the world, in one verse, there is so much content. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And within that, that scripture, I see three things. First of all, I see that there's a man. Uh-huh, the son, Jesus. A man who came. Secondly, I see a God who gives. 
And isn't that, isn't that the essential message of the Gospels? That God has come to give of himself. So God gave. He came with a message. And, first, and thirdly, he came with a mission. He came to love the world. Do you know the three M's? They're all right there. There's a man, there's a message, and there's a mission. And so you have this thing, um, that are kind of those three that I'd like to look at, hopefully in three three preaching opportunities. We'll see how the coming weeks go, because I don't know how long so I'm supposed to be back up in Uganda and the year is drawing to a close. But tonight, I want to focus on this thing of the man. And let's get straight up to the ladies here. It's just, it's just to make it rhyme, in a sense. Man, uh, message and mission, obviously, this applies to you as well. And we're speaking now about the creator, like people, God using people. So let's just get that right off the bat so you don't think I'm hating you or we've got issues or... You can chat to me later if, you, um, if you're feeling kind of put out. But um, if you're going to kind of give me, I know it's also getting to the end of the year, and a lot of you will be involved in exams and blah, blah, blah. You'll just be totally burnt out with so many things. But I'm going to ask you that if you're going to journey with me through the three messages related to this topic, um, come here willing, first of all, to learn. Secondly, be open to God's Spirit, because otherwise, what's the point of being here? So tonight, be open. Hear what God is saying to you. Because if he's here, he will say something to each one of you. And thirdly, be willing to dream. Like if you really get into this thing over the next um, few weeks, you'll, I know when I start to think about it, it makes me just dream about doing amazing things for God and impacting him. So before we get into the detail of the man, the following message, that, I mean, not following message around the message, step two of this process, We'll look at kind of the contents of the Christian faith, some of the contents of what Jesus um, brought and the message that he both lived and taught in the world. And then thirdly, this thing around the mission, I want to look at how we engage with culture, how Jesus engaged with culture, and how we are called to engage with culture. And there's so much around here, so I spent three years studying, and so culture is a passion of mine. Um, so hopefully we'll get to that in a few weeks' time. So clear. I hope so. Here's another funny way of looking at it. Kind of, out of the man flows the message, and out of the message flows the mission. So you have something that God begins with a person, and the person living in the world obviously begins to, if they're living the message, there's something that permeates through your life and through your being, and as it permeates that message through you, it impacts the world around you. And so you have this, I love circles, I've got a t-shirt that's full of circles, and um, this whole thing of like God just radiating out into the world. That's what he's about. And I pray that's what all of us about, are about. And so tonight I want to look at that first thing, the first circle there of the man. Firstly, if you look at the record of scripture, um, you'll see that again and again, right from the beginning, God raises up men or he raises up people to bring solutions to problems. There's a... Um, Abraham that God sends, Joseph, there's Moses, there's Joshua, there's Gideon, there's David, there's Paul, there's Jesus, and then of course there's all the other lovely ladies who I failed to mention. But the thing is that God, <laughs> the reality is, is that God does raise up and he calls people, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And in coming to the world, he's hungry to know people, to love people, and to use People, And so you have this wonderful verse of scripture, like Hebrews 1, verses 2 to 3. It says, God spoke to our, to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, 
is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Whoa. Just look at that for a second. Second part in particular. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now think about that. If Christ lives in you, you can apply that second part to your life, shouldn't you? God is the radiance. We, sorry, we are the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Obviously, imperfectly, we're imperfect, Christ was perfect. But the reality is that God's glory is revealed to the world through us. Beautiful, eh? It's fun. Second, Second Corinthians, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirits of a living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so what God does is he comes and he gets involved in our lives and he uses our very lives as though our lives are a letter written to the world. Good day, world. God exists through the very life that I'm living. And your life is like an email that you send to your colleagues or it's a letter you write or it's an SMS you send. You, you're a, the, the thing that God is doing in you is a message to the world around you. True? That's certainly what, what's occurred with my cousin, because you'll hear more of my cousin when I speak about the message, because it was really around the message the two of us clashed. But um, he was asking me these questions, because he came and he saw Lee and I get married in this church three years ago. Well, three years ago, fast then. And um, he was struck. He'd never been into, into a Christian setting like that. He's actually from what I would call a sect of the Christian church. He goes to a church called the New, the New Church, or the Church of the New Jerusalem, which follows the teachings of a guy called Swedenborg, <laughs> from Sweden, in Preston. Um, quite similar, I suppose, to Mormons, and that they follow um, teachings that they say are greater than Scripture, and they add things to Scripture. But the reason we got into a conversation while we were away on holiday is because, first of all, we saw something in our wedding, which was completely different, he was blown away, he was telling the rest of my family, he was like, what? It was a real sense, not a lie, it wasn't just like a tradition, because he's one of those guys that's like very anti-marriage institution and all that. And so this is the first time that we really got to see him since our wedding, and he, he's the one who broached the subject, he was interested, because he could see something. Not that Lee and I did anything, it's just the reality of God's work in our lives, and what he's done was speaking something to him. And so our lives do speak to the world around us. And so specifically with regard to this thing of the man, or specifically with regard to what God does in us, I want to focus on two specific areas. Character and gifting. Because my experience has certainly shown me that over the last, let's say, nine years or so of walking with God, particularly in this community, it's the combination of the two which are the most powerful and most effective in seeing God work through us. There are so many amazingly gifted people in this world, obviously not just Christians, but all over. But so often we hear of amazingly gifted Christians who crash and fall because of the character issue. But then there are so many Christians around you whose character is impeccable, and yet they lack that connection of giftedness between them and God that dynamic edge to their life, to their walk of faith. And so the combination of the two is, I believe, 
very powerful. So let's take a moment to look at character. Firstly, certain people in each generation stand out for their character. Now there are two that came to my mind immediately when I was prepping. Sorry again, both men. It's just because I was thinking about men. But stand up. Maybe I'll understand me somehow. Um, but in South Africa, we currently have two living examples amongst men. Two men of incredible character. One's black, one's white. Sorry, I bring up the racial thing just because it adds effect. Um, the other one's older, the other one's younger, just because they represent different cultures, different ways of thinking, different ways of living. But one is, of course, the man we all love. Nelson. 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 You've got to love him. Okay, there's Nelson first of all. What is the thing that stands out about the man's life apart, all, apart from all that he's done? It's his character. Sometimes it's not even what he says, but you can hear something when he says it. There's like almost a sound when he says it. That's just, it's like pure, it's solid. There's something there which is wonderful and makes you want to listen and learn. So first of all, there's him. And second of all, there's his buddy John Schmidt. Gotta love the guy. Captain of the box, comes from Victoria Boys High School, which has produced men just like Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and John Schmidt has got, even though he's completely different, you really couldn't find anyone who's more different to my dad. First of all, he doesn't have the same kind of tone of voice, but he just composed, he looks completely different, and he's much younger. But the thing about John Schmidt is that he commands respect. Why? Not just because he's a brilliant player, but because the man's character is outstanding. I'm not saying he's perfect. Hear me. I'm not saying he's perfect. But his character is outstanding. And I know in particular that guys will follow a leader. When you get a bunch of guys playing a football team, a football game together, and yesterday we played football, what we needed on the field was a leader. Yesterday we didn't really have a leader. We just didn't gel. But when a team plays well together, there's a leader. And you want to follow the leader, you want to trust your play for each other because there's a sense of leadership on the field. And it's interesting when I looked up character in scripture, you'd think that when you look up the word character, there'll be like a thousand references. But it's one of those weird things where there's not. And the word character itself is not used that often. Obviously it's insinuated and it's within scripture throughout. But the one portion that does stand out when I reference character is Romans 5 verse 4 and it says we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and what did Nelson Mandela bring when he walked out of prison he brought a message of hope hope for a nation this thing of a rainbow nation of all people together and where was that hope where did it spring forth from it sprang forth from his character and where was the character formed? It was formed as he had to endure years and years in prison. Most of them on Rowan Island, chipping away at that limestone day in and day out. That terribly affected his eyes, affected his health. Apart from the fact that he spent years and years in that prison on his own. Obviously for doing something, but he did that something in reaction to an unjust government. And so for me, it speaks powerfully of the fact that character is not produced like this. Character is produced over a period of time. And so if we look at, just look at a few other scriptures, 
got a few here. Psalm 119 talks about the fact that we, um, that we are blessed of God when we walk after Him, when we walk in His perfect law. It says, blessed are those whose walk is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. Characters formed as we walk after God. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Characters fall as we bring our lives before God, and we say, Search me, Lord. Sift me. Not pleasant, but the fruit of it is wonderful. Galatians 5, which of course is about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And character is also about that process of, cruci of Jesus crucifying things in you that are not of Him. Traits in your character which are anti-Christ and not for Christ. And so he wants to deal with those things. He wants to eradicate them from your personality, not so that you're deficient, completely the op opposite, so that you are whole and are at peace with who you are. The fruits is then evident in your life. Evidence in your life. A portion of scripture, like 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, which says, No one looked down on you because you were young, but set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, Character is formed in a demonstration of those things over a period of time. And then, of course, a portion of scripture which Adam mentioned the first Sunday night that he spoke. Yeah. He said, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so character is about our life being transformed from something dishonorable to something honorable. Remembering that there's original sin. We're born into this world, original sin, taking us away from God. Christ intervenes by the cross, dealing with original sin, that we are redeemed to Him. Sin will always exist, but He gives us His Spirit, Producing in us the character of Christ. And so our lives are transformed from something dishonorable to something honorable. Beautiful, eh? So, let me remind you that character is the fruit of consistent, godly choices over an extended period of time. That's my, just my little definition. But I put the extended period of time there. Because it takes time. Time. If our character is going to be like Christ's, it is going to be refined in the trials of life. You're going to face things that are going to make you want to freak. That are going to make you want to be the most dishonorable, disgusting person around. But that is the reality of life. And it's in those moments, it's literally in the fire of those moments when you're burning with whatever, that we need to go, God, help me. Help me, meet me in this place, search me, sift me, help me to change. And he meets us and he changes us.
And I'm thinking, well, at this point, I think I'll mention Wilder. And I'll just say, the guy's gone up there. And within days of being up there, he gets hammered with a bad, bad case of malaria. Bad. Okay? I've seen people with malaria. He's had malaria. It's not fun. It is not fun. And he had a really, really bad case of it. And in the week that's occurred since then, sure, he's had some good days. But he was telling me on the phone now, they were in a truck transporting stuff um, um, for the orphanage. They wanted to build just an extra little building for some use, blah, 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 blah. Truck's doing about 100 kilometers an hour. Front right tire explodes on the road. Oh, Gene's been on those roads. And it's like, I mean, there again, it's another thing. He's trying to get money out of the ATM so he can help build this thing. ATM spits out false, false notes there in the midst of this. It's like, what? Goes to the bank manager or whoever goes into the clerk, and they're like, you're lying. Where did you get that stuff? So it's a consistent battle that he's facing. And I'm not saying, um, so be careful what I say, but I'm praying that in this process that God will meet with Walter, that he'll be met within the fire of these trials, and that his character will be um, just formed, shaped. I mean, he's young. I mean, a lot of you guys are young. And even though Walter's doing amazing things, he's got a lot to learn, as all of us have a lot to learn. And it's in the midst of things like that that he will learn. The reality is that each of us go into contexts, even though they're quite different to others, we each go into contexts each and every day where our character is either um, formed in an honourable way or it's formed into a dishonourable way. True, eh? It's in those consistent, godly choices that we make day in and day out that character is formed and shaped in our lives. And I love the way that God's made it like that. Because it's real. There's nothing more real than that. There is no magic formula. There is no, God touched me and changed me. Sure, God will touch you and he will equip you to be changed. But then he sends you out into the world and that is where your character is formed and shaped. Second thing for this evening. We all good, eh? We all good. Quick water break. Yeah, second is good thing. And as I said earlier, the combination of the two, character and gifting, is essential to the work that God does in us. Now again, I'm going to start with an interesting portion of scripture here, which you'll see where I'm going in a moment. Acts 2, 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He's speaking this to you, obviously, as well as to the original people of Israel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I start with that, book, that verse is because right from the beginning, the Christian life is a gift from God. And so giftedness is inherent in the Holy Spirit is working in us, because God is gifting in His nature. He's giving. That's what gifting is about. Gifting is about giving. What do you do at Christmas? You give gifts. Or birthdays, gifts represent obviously a giving. And they're given so that you can bless someone and encourage someone. And so this, we begin with the work of the Spirit. God's greatest gift to us who believe is the Spirit. God is looking for men and women in whom He can purchase and take up residence. Literally like moving into the house. You see a house for sale? God wants to come in. Your house is up for sale. Your life is up for sale. He wants to come in. He wants to purchase your life. He will pay the price. 600,000 rand, whatever it is. 
He will lay it down, purchase your life, and then not only does he want that house, he wants to take residence in the house. He wants to move in. He wants to go into each room. He wants to look at the kitchen and go, do I like the design of the kitchen? No, I want to tweak, I want to knock out that wall, more flow into the living room. So you'll do those kind of things. He wants to get the interior decorator in, change some things. He wants to get the landscape into the garden. That's what God's wanting to do in your life. He's wanting to form you and shape you in that way by His Spirit taking up residence in you. And for me, when God comes and dwells in us, for me, I can remember, this is, I think it's in James, which talks about the fact that God gives us these precious gifts. He's a good, it's a good and precious gift of faith that is given to us. And for me, that's been my experience with God. It's like this continual presence of like it's, you just, there's like a box and you go back and each time you pull something out, you're like, what, God? You want to give that to me? You want to give that, that to us? Do you have to show yourself to the world around us? So think about the point that God's wanting to give. He's wanting to gift us. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 11 says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. All are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each individually as He wills. And for those of you who've been with us and persevered through the journey of the year, you'll remember that back in February, we started with a gifts workshop in Jubilee House, where we went through a bit of a gifts test, and we looked through an assessment, looking at spiritual gifts, and then we, we launched out from that time. We spent a long time looking at spiritual gifting. The challenge to you is where, where are you in that journey? What's happened to what, what? What did God show you over that time? Did He show you anything? Because I know you wanted to. But having shown you, have you grown in your gift? Have you stewarded it? Is there fruit that you've seen coming out of that time? God does not want us to be ignorant, ignorant with regard to spiritual gifting. He's wanting us to grow in our gifting, obviously. 1 Corinthians 14, a couple of chapters later, it says, Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts, guys. I will hammer this until the day I die. Pursue spiritual gifts. How do you pursue spiritual gifts? You pursue the giver of the gifts. Christ himself. Because we know that in pursuing Christ himself, he will change and transform our character. And as our character is transformed, the gifting that flows through us will be something that can be trusted. It will be authentic. I know it's interesting watching my dad's journey as he's um, been working over the last few years, um, the last 10 years in particular. I suppose as I've gotten older and I can talk to him more. But I mean, he works in property and for the last six, seven years, he's an industrial property broker, which means he finds a buyer of industrial land and he finds someone um, looking to sell industrial land and he breaks the deal between the two. And it's amazing hearing my dad talk. Obviously, my dad's been on a journey with God, not a perfect man by a long way. A Christian man desiring I see the character of Christ in him. Just some of the stories of the people he's met. They may, may be wonderfully gifted. They may have more money than you can imagine. But they just, oh, I don't want to say naughty words, but I mean, they're just unpleasant people. This world needs people who demonstrate gifting in a wonderful way because their character has been refined. Just have a that point. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14 says, Do not neglect the gift you have, Paul speaking to Timothy, but God speaking to us, which has been given to you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. 
Maybe someone's never prophesied over you and said, I can see this in your life. Boom, boom, and encourage you. Maybe someone's never laid hands on you. And as you lay hands, the Spirit of God's come upon that person and through that person and something's been deposited into your life. But, God might have spoken to you, He might have deposited something in you as you're reading the Word, as you're driving a car, as you're praying, as you're thinking. God can do it at any time. The thing is, what are you doing with that gift? Do not neglect it. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, saying something very similar. It says, fan into flame the gift of God. It's interesting there that he says fans. Because all of us know what happens in the flame. Like you, you light a flame and eventually it's going to burn down. Fire. What do you do to get a fire lit? Again, you fan it. So we need to do the same thing. He's acknowledging it. We're going to have to go through that time without gifting. We're going to feel strong at some points. You're going to feel weaker at other points. But you need to fan that gift into flame and say, I believe that God's gifted me in this way, this way, this way. I'm going to be obedient with that gifting. Steward that gifting. And by faith, walking with God, fan it into flame and exercise it. Awesome. It's amazing. Uh, and I spent some time with our friends at this church in East London. Um, they're about, I think about 200 strong. And about 40 of them, parents, teenagers, children, like a whole bunch of them, all went to visit this pastor in America's church, Bill Johnson, because amazing things have been happening there over the last, let's say, six to seven years, even longer. Seeing amazing fruit and God breaking through, not in church settings, outside of church settings, on the streets, in the hospitals, in the schools, in playgrounds, wherever. That is where God is working. So this whole community goes over there and they learn and they see. And the thing that I could really hear from them as they came back was this thing that gifting was pursued, that Christ was pursued. They saw it as something vitally, vitally important for the church. And these people of 40 or so who went to get the impression that they will lay their lives down for this. And so I'm worried for East London in a good way. I'm like, these guys are going to hit the streets soon. And it's going to be chaos. I shared a testimony a few months ago, coming out of that church, and how there was a guy who was at school. He had one of the, he's a, there's a teacher, tends the church, he makes his classroom available for prayer during break time. The guy came in with a broken, I think it was a broken knee or broken ankle, I can't remember, one of the two. Like one of the rugby players in the first rugby team, they laid hands on him, he walked out of there, healed. He played that Saturday, had one of the best games of the season, man of the match, scored a couple of tries. Stuff happens, eh? Stuff happens if we step out. And yet there seems to be this thing over Cape Town where people are scared, who are scared to step out. What is that person going to think? You're a cheesy Christian who's going to say something stupid to me. No. I'm a loving Christian who comes to you, the living God living inside of me, the living God who loves you. And so I come to serve you. And it's the person of who I am, Christ in me, that speaks and blesses you. Awesome, man. Kind of takes the threat out of the whole thing. Anyway, there's another one of my little rants. <laughs> Discovering, receiving, and walking in our gifting is a wonderful gift that God has for each one of us. Crucial, of course, to discovering and operating in our gifting is the ability to be at peace with who you are. Are you at peace with who you are? And I know some of you are younger, and I've seen an amazing growth and change in my life as I've gotten older. But I remember when I was at high school, it was inner 
turn what? Complete and in the turn what? I played first in cricket, I captained the first in cricket team, I was a prefect, I did all those things, but I lived a completely double life, hanging out with a group of friends who did drugs, but then representing all these good things at church. Why? In that turmoil. Because I didn't know who I was, I was searching, there was no peace, there was anxiety deep down. And that was the biggest fruit, the biggest change in my life, as I met and walked with God, peace. God says, he lays his hand upon you, he hugs you, he loves you, he says, you're cool, just as you are. Wonderful, right? And the peace. So that's what we need in our lives. We need the results of the work of the Spirit, and it says that people who are at peace with who they are, operating in their unique gifting, are generally at peace with the world, and are therefore a gift to the world. Our very life becomes a gift to the world around us. Awesome, eh? Quite simple, but I think it's simply profound. I might say so. So as I wrap up, doing, getting very scholarly on the sip, you can have a conclusion for you tonight. I haven't written this in a long time, I suppose that's why. <laughs> Underline. Remember, what was my thesis statement? Re-emphasize the thesis statement. <laughs> Firstly, restoration of the world starts with the man. It starts with us. Simple, concentric circles, eh? The man, the message, the mission. Got it. Can I make a shift with this scene? I can see it coming. Secondly, as a people, we need to grow in character and gifting. The two together are wonderful. It's how God's made us. Our character and gifting either does or doesn't reveal Christ to a confused and hurting world. And that is the reality. The message, the message of Christ to restore the world begins and ends with who? You. Begins and ends with us. We are the stop sign or we are the go sign for God. That's the way he's done. It's an amazing privilege. It's an amazing honour. But I just love the way that God's done it with us. So our character and gifts either does or doesn't reveal Christ to a, to a confused and hurting world. And I pray that the combination of what God does with you, both with refining your character and enhancing and growing your gifting, will be a combination that you see affecting change around you, affecting your families, affecting your friendships, affecting just the situations you find yourselves in. Because I promise you, when you meet people where they've got this combination of the two in their lives, they're a blessing to be with. Because they can be trusted, number one, and they're a gift to you. There's something about them, they're giving, they're loving, they're serving, and it's a blessing to be around those people. The thing is that they just aren't enough of them. And if this country needs one thing, it needs the combination of the two. We have got far too many people in positions of power whose characters are corrupt. They might have, they might be so gifted because they've studied, they've got this degree, this degree, this whatever, they are so equipped and yet their character is a mess. That is what this country needs, outstanding men and women of character who will stand up and love and confess Christ and demonstrate Christ. So as I end this evening, that's my conclusion. I'm not quite finished. I've got a last scripture to finish with you. It's a scripture which I love. It's just one of my favourites, and I just had to go to go to it. 
can. You're going to have to, if you can't see it, just going to have to get out of your seat slightly. But in Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, it says this. It says that some people are cursed and some people are blessed. Cursed is the man, or cursed are the people who trust the man and make flesh their strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. They are like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good. They shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Can you imagine anything worse? Being in an uninhabited land, no one to be with, that sucks. Secondly, a salt land. What does salt do? Makes you damn thirsty. Dehydrates you, you're just going to end up in a pear-shaped place. But, there's the curse. But in Christ, there's the blessing. Blessed is the man, blessed are we, who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water, and sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Come on. That is what it's about. Character and gifting are the roots that go down, that find that river of life, Spirit of God, flowing into the world, and they tap into that life source of God. And then no matter what happens in your life, no matter if it's a year of drought, if it's a year of fire, whatever is happening, and for many people this has been a year of fire because of what's happened. For many people it's been a difficult year, but the reality is that if you can persevere through those times with God, characters form. Instead of you being uprooted, you just got deeper. Incredible, eh? And then there's fruit produced day in and day out, month in and month out, year in and year out. And we are a people who bless the world. So guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. That's part one. I'm hoping there'll be a second part and a third part that we'll look at the message and we'll look at the mission. I feel a bit like tonight's been primary school. The next message will be high school. The third message will be tertiary education. <laughs> We're going to progress right through and hopefully at the end we'll all get our little caps and graduate and we'll move on. <laughs> but, um, seriously, I'm, I really do believe that there's a bit of a progression here. That you've got to start with these simple core foundations before you can begin to build and look at the message of what Christ brought, and then begin to look at the mission, and how we engage with the world we live in, the world that we are blessed to find ourselves in. Alright? I think what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to play a song off my laptop, if you don't mind, as we, um, as we pray. And it's about, I think it's about six minutes long, and I'm just going to, going to play just... Use this time just to think. Think about where you are with your character. Think about where you are with your gifting. Think about where you are um, just with God. Um, you can just stay with me. Just before I put it on, let's bow our heads and pray. But we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for this evening. I want to thank you that it's good to be gathered together. It's wonderful to be around. It's just to gather around your word. We just want to thank you for your word, Father. Ah, your word teaches us, but it also rebukes us. It encourages us, but also reveals things to us that make us uncomfortable. But that's good, Lord. It's part of the process of us being formed and shaped to look and to be like Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you do that in each of our lives. You begin with me, and you do it in each one here. You form character, you shape character, you release gifting, and you refine gifting. 
in Jesus' name. And the way people think about St. Martin's, they think about Severin, they think about the people here that they meet, they see, they bump into whatever, that they'll be struck by the combination of these two things, gift <coughs> and character. So I'm just going to play this song to you. Just keep your head bowed. It just talks about God's fire, and maybe that's appropriate. <laughs>